0: Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in.
1: All right, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Gil Mehran, the CEO and founder of Cobot Nation, Architects of Automation. Gil is a pioneer of the consumer 3D printing industry as the founder and CEO of BotMill 3D, which manufactured and sold the first fully assembled consumer 3D printers. BotMill was acquired by 3D Systems Corp. Mr. Mayron continued to lead corporate development strategies for the consumer division at 3D Systems. He composed the first ever licensing deals involving 3D printing with Sony, Viacom, NBA, DreamWorks, and many others. Here to tell us his story is Gil. So Gil, thank you for being here, my new friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, man, tell us, how how in the world did you get into this interesting industry? So as far as automation or 3D printing? Either. Tell us tell us uh, what's well, relevant well, to your story. Yeah, to no, what you're well, doing so
0: I'll give a quick rundown for, for the 3D printing stuff, uh, the enthusiasts out there. Um, so I got started by uh, my older brother uh, was at a university in Boca Raton, Florida, and uh, they had something going on there where somehow the, the word 3D printer came up to me. Uh, I think he was, he had something there. He spoke with my dad. My dad told me, uh, and then I went and put my Google alerts. Uh, and within a few weeks, uh, RepRap, RepRap project was uh, was made. And so R-E-P-R-A-P. And that is the, the open source uh, 3D printer uh, that was made by a guy by the name of Adrian Bauer. He's a professor in Austria. Okay. And so when that came out, uh, I contacted him immediately. Uh, it was very clear that, you know, oh, these are all kits. Uh, you have MakerBot out there making a kit. They just they just opened their their, uh, their company doors at that time. And uh, it was pretty clear that, you know, if somebody can make this fully assembled, everybody's having problems putting it together. Just make it fully assembled. You're good to go. At the time, uh, I think the printer had 1,800 moving parts, like nuts, bolts, everything, you know, a lot of lock wow. um, I don't think a single one ever shipped in a good, good fashion. Uh, it would be very difficult to do. Um, but with that being said, we racked up a huge backlog uh, of orders. Uh, and it was very difficult. You know, I was in my mid-20s at the time, and uh, you know, you don't really know much about the world and, and business and things like that. So uh, a big backlog of orders can actually hurt you uh, in many, many ways if you can't handle it. And so uh, lucky enough, uh, I got in contact with the chief marketing officer of 3D Systems, uh, Kathy Lewis. She put me in touch with Abe Reikenthal, who was the CEO at the time of 3D Systems. I uh, had one conversation with him. Uh, he said to me, what do you want, an investment or an acquisition? I wanted to rid my hands Uh, because I was like, oh my God, dude, every day is getting complaints because they didn't get it shipped out. And, uh, and, uh, he didn't want me to get out of it. He said, no, no, no. If I buy you, you come with me. Okay. So, uh, they bought the company and I moved over to North Carolina, uh, stayed there for roughly about four years. I did a corporate development for the consumer division, which was a brand new division in, in 3d printing period. Uh, and over there we did a lot of really unique deals and it really opened up my eyes to, to some really interesting things that could be done. Um, with interesting types of deal making. And so some of those deals were actually licensing deals, but these were licensing deals based off like acquisitions that we made. Uh, Or, you know, maybe he got some sort of IP. Uh, It's a program that that can um, take a picture of the front of your face, the side of your face, and then meshes the whole thing together. And then I can make a licensing deal with Star Trek. And uh, we can go and put you on a Star Trek with CBS and put you on a Star Trek figurine. Uh, You know, you can design it online, whatever, and it gets shipped to you. Uh, but at the time the printer that was doing that it was the only full color printer uh originally made by a company called z corp and then 3d systems acquired them uh, and that printer printed out of a material uh gypsum powder okay so it was very frail uh and so all those figurines you know you take it out of the box and you flick it and the, the head pops off so it's uh, <laughs> that, and now though uh at cobot nation we have uh, an hp multi-jet fusion printer and we have the only full color printer that prints with fully dense nylon. So it's a complete opposite of whatever that was. And so, uh, so wow. it's, it's, uh, it's interesting how things uh, kind of advance over time. But with that, I left 3D Systems, uh, I think it was 2014. Uh, I went off to a company called Graphene 3D Labs. They did the first conductive material in 3D printing. So you could take a battery, a light bulb, print something in between, and then the light bulbs light up, right? Um, and so, uh, and that was interesting, did that for about a year, uh, moved my family over to Vegas. Uh, and there's a few reasons for that. One is there's no state income tax. So that's a good reason to be there as an the entrepreneur. Uh, and so, uh, but in Vegas, uh, once I ran out of the, the three systems, like non compete, all that kind of stuff, um, I was able to start to look into the automation and in 3d printing, uh, it's, it's inherently slow. And so the only thing you can really do to speed it up is automation. You only have so many methods of printing. Okay. You have a chemical method, you have a heat method, pretty much everything is heat, but, uh, at the end of the day, that's it, it's done. You know, they're trying to put faster motors, but then you lose something on the other end. Who cares? Automation, though, in between that, any of the handling, all that kind of stuff, it adds a lot at the end of a year, or 10 years, whatever, they can, it adds a lot. Uh, mm. So that is the main point. Uh, automation was very apparent to me back then, but for different reasons than, than everybody else thinks. You know, I, I didn't think about humans at all at that time. Now I do. So it's, <laughs> but, uh, well, to a degree, you know, I have to be harsh in some areas. But um, But with that, though, uh, it was very clear that there was something there. Uh, you had Universal Robots. They came out with their... And I'm, I'm going into the automation side of things now, by the way. Sure. So Universal Robots, they're the first ones that came out with what's called a... Not the originators of the Cobot, but they're the first ones who marketed it out, uh, who made a company with it. Uh, and so Universal Robots is one of the largest Cobot manufacturers out there. Uh, and I believe the founder of it is the one who made the original joint so it's a six axis robot and you have these joints in it and these joints move around in a certain way. And I believe that was his PhD project in hmm. university. I could be wrong. You know, somebody will correct me, but I think I'm right. And so, <laughs> pretty sure I'm right. Um, and so universal robots, I think they sold to Teledyne. Uh, so now they're part of a very large company. They're very small in there. Um, and with that being said, uh, I did a lot of research in, in roughly about 2018 and we, we incorporated the company about two and a half years ago. And so uh, in 2018, uh i signed up as a ur reseller i had my engineer go through their program um and also keep in mind i come from from also capital equipment and 3d printing where we're introducing new technology but at five hundred thousand dollars a million dollars it's very inten- you know it's a yeah. very long process to get somebody to buy that but with that uh we were able to figure out that the way that it's being done today the way that people are doing the business of automation is completely wrong uh the cobots that are being sold all the other ones but us, uh, they want the customer to do the majority of the work. We make it so easy that you can program it yourself. That is the, the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it, it's, you go to the facilities that we go to. Um, we just installed, a, um, let's see what I can say. We, we just installed an application uh, at uh, probably one of the world's biggest slaughterhouses. I mean, wow. it's, it's in Colorado in the US. So it's, uh, you know, we're doing things where, there's no way on earth that these customers, even the largest ones, and all of our customers are the largest within the industries that they serve. And the reason for it is because we're the only ones that scale with them. They go directly mm-hmm. to us. We go directly to them. Um, there's no reseller. There's no integrator. We don't allow them to do installation. We don't allow them to touch anything. They don't even need to do programming. We do it all. And we also support it 24-7. And so this is why uh, we're, we're a fast, uh, you know, whatever you want, <laughs> what do you want to call Fast-grown it. fast growing company, um, yeah. You know, don't want to jinx it, though, right? But... But with it, you know, it was very apparent that the business model was one that needed to be shooken up in 3D printing in the later stages of 3D printing. In the last, you know, 5, 10 years, you had some of the companies that went public are the ones that started with going to the biggest customers. Why did they do that? Because all the other companies already went to them and already went to the resellers, like the 3D systems of the world and then Stratus, They already went to the resellers uh, and the resellers don't want to deal with the new company. So the new company has to go direct to the, to the customer. And who are they going to go? They're going to go to the biggest one. Um, So it's very interesting how that worked out, and and these companies now, um, Mark Forge is one, Desktop Metal is one, they're public now. They're they're, they're major major forces out there. Uh, They can compete against the 3D systems and the strategists now, which is really interesting to me. Um, So with that, you take that over to automation. Uh, Yeah, all of the automation companies, they all deal through a value-added reseller model. They all go through resellers. The resellers go through integrators. Some of them have their own engineers, but not really. Usually they just find a firm, a local firm that's going to do the, uh, the installation of the cobot. But by that time, the integrator is what two degrees from the uh, manufacturer. So you, it's so disjointed. And if you're one of our customers and you have 150 facilities around the world, how are you going to guarantee that you have the same exact, you know, structure pricing support, you know, in, in wherever it is, in the Middle East, as you do in the U S mm. it's, uh, it's impossible. And in fact, with all of these uh, companies out there, except for us, uh, the way that they structure their resellers and integrators, you're, you're kind of bound to like a, a state. Uh, so if you want to go to another state, you're totally different reseller, different integrator, uh, and so on and so forth. And so the opportunity was there, uh, and it's not an easy one. I mean, we, we make our own hardware. We design everything. All our engineers are hired, hired full-time. They're all degree mechanical engineers. Um, you know, this is a very intense thing to take on and extremely risky. There's a reason why nobody else ever did it this way, right? But we're proving now it's being successful. And we know that the numbers that we're going to hit are larger than the numbers that others have hit, you know, across a large span of smaller customers uh, because they've ignored the big guys. They thought that by us marketing to the smaller guys, a larger subset, uh, somehow that is going to be – you know more beneficial to us right we're going to get more numbers out of it it'll add well, up somehow well, they didn't do their their math they didn't do the work they didn't look at the big companies so how many facilities and oh they have 3000 people per facility and you know we can get rid of 2000 of them with automation yeah and by the way uh, i just want to point out last thing and the news <laughs> with automation what we're seeing right now the customer when they they come to us it's no longer even scared about talking about automation they they talk about it in front of the employees they're very brash about it uh Every single one of our customers, if they can automate fully from start to finish, they would do it yesterday. That is how badly they want it. When they have a com- competitor that does automation and they haven't even started, they're at least two and a half years behind.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, we've got several things to talk about here. So just my mind has been slowly wrapping around this because typically when I'm talking to people about automation, the world I'm in would be like software automation, right? Like kind of digital things that help your, your mm-hmm. systems and processes move faster. You're talking about like manufacturing, uh, fabrication, things like that, correct?
0: That's right. We're talking about core processes uh, in some of the largest companies. It's the manufacturing. It's the gritty industrial arcade. You know, that's, yeah, that's what we're doing.
1: Interesting. Okay. So with the universal robot, tell me a little bit about that. What does that do? Well, I what mean, I that can do whatever you want, but yeah.
0: I have my own. So uh, my own we, – we make our robots. You make uh, your own. We also use suppliers that, that sell us components and stuff to, to make certain robots, but we, we make all of our, our bowl feeders, indexing systems. I mean, if you need to make conveyors, we make the entire solution for the customer. Gotcha. So, so, and so includes- they're like, we
1: need a solution for this, and you might go custom fabricate a, a robot or something like that to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, and there's nowhere for them to really uh, go. Who are you going to contact? A local engineering firm? They may not have the the knowledge. So, you know, but but with that, we also believe that the definition of the COBOT, which is why we call ourselves COBOT Nation, uh, again, we make conveyors. Those are COBOTs, and there's a reason for that. Everything that we make, so the industrial robotic companies, if they make something it's usually bolted to the floor, Uh, it's probably going to be there forever. You cannot have a human next to it at all. The stuff that we make uh, is meant to be around humans. And these are variant. I mean, these could be robots pulling knives and it's still meant to be around a human. We still take everything into consideration. We have a lot of light curtains, a lot of sensors, Um, but all of that stuff, everything we make is meant to not disrupt the customer's line. So if we're working with uh, a big automotive company uh, and they're only down two weeks out of the year just for maintenance, they cannot be down any other time. Mm. And so if something breaks with us, we need to make sure that we have the ability for them to put a natural process in, and the other companies do not do that. They they bring salespeople that try to conform to a certain product. So,
1: well, I know that you have probably a, a vast line of products, so this doesn't maybe all, make all sense. Unique. Yeah, my we question don't market you know, any
0: individual product. It's uh, for us, it doesn't make sense. We, we everything is unique to the customer.
1: So, when we're saying robots, though, like are we mostly talking about like a thing on an arm? That can do things, or are we talking about like what you picture in sci-fi, like you're making like robots that walk around the factory and do things?
0: No, no, we we have made robots that walk around the factory, and that would be awesome, by the way. That would be we need to do that. It's a good suggestion. I'll put it in the works. There we go. (laughs) But uh, but no, we we're we're doing a lot of the you know the repetitive stuff that that a human does, where there's not a lot of thought into it. That's the stuff we're taking on first yeah um we do a lot of stuff with ai and deep learning, all that kind of stuff no problem but the repetitive stuff is what we're taking on uh immediately right now yeah so
1: uh yeah yeah so that, you know i heard you know there's been a lot of conversation over the last decade around the coming of automation the coming of replacing of jobs and that type of thing and you know where most people pointed is like hey the most obvious place this is going to enter is anywhere that, where there's a repeatable process a plus yeah. b just always equals c you know yeah. And that as a human, the most valuable thing that you can continue to have is the ability to solve creative problems, things that aren't A plus B equals C, relationships, stuff like that. Right. Um, When you say these companies have no problem talking about that in front of their employees, how are they managing that fear? or Like the the assumption that like, well, that means I'm out of a job. um, Well, you know, I
0: think I think it's a perceived fear because even when they say it in front of an employee, the employee knows that that customer doesn't have any robots yet. And so it, it's going to be a little while before they see something, even if it's a year or two, it doesn't matter. But, you know, it, it's, uh, I don't think people have the kind of fear yet that they should. Um, and what I mean by that is the following. With the customers we deal with, they have a lot of repeats. So you might be working intensely for a year on an application, but then they might have a thousand of them across the whole span. I don't think people realize that, that if I go into a facility with 4,000 people, 3,500 are going the, wow. it's the majority of people are going to be going and it, it just is what it is. It's a, when you put uh, robotics, when you put automation in there, you're making it safer for the humans around. So that's number one. Okay. So, so we, we are making it safer for everybody, but at the same time, you're making a better product. You're making a more consistent product. You're making a product where that manufacturer can now drop the price because he can, they can do anything they want to do. Um, and that is, we're seeing that across the board and that's going to lead to a lot of really interesting concepts and future things um, probably one's going to be really big is going to be a lot of mass customization. So the mm-hmm. ability to do, you know, 10,000 of one which would sell for the same price, now you do 10,000 unique selling for the same price. Yeah. And uh, I think you'll see a lot of that come up.
1: How do you feel or do you feel optimistic like from the human side, right? It, like obviously we're optimistic on the business side, the margins that we can save, the the quality that we can consistently put out, that kind of thing, but like are you optimistic that Oh, this, I know this is outside of your business, right? There's almost philosophy, but like, no, no, do you no, imagine we, like we it'll times. create new we, jobs we in a different way?
0: Conversations of, of humans losing their job. In fact, uh, what, uh, yesterday we had a, a call with a customer where uh, it was actually very uh, very eye-opening because we have these talks with some customers, but it was interesting to hear a customer say this to us. Uh, Gil, if we automate and we do this right, we, the more we automate, great. We're going to keep giving these employees raises. We're going to keep raising We're going to do whatever we can. That is so important because we also have customers where we want to automate, and we do not want to change the minimum weight. We, we don't want to do anything there. Well, why not? Well, what do you uh, – you just got rid of 3,000 people. What are you doing? So, it's, so you know you can tell there's a – you have a little bit of a battle out there, but, but it's, uh, it's refreshing when you have ones that do come to their senses. Their
1: what does that mean? Like what, what Practically, what are they going to do if they come to their senses? Are they keeping those 3,000 people and putting them to nope. different nope. use? Nope. No, nope, there's no use for them. Uh, but the ones that remain, you better uh, retain them,
0: and uh, you know, they, they must be very special. Uh, but look, you know, uh, let me also put something into perspective here. In manufacturing, the kind of people that are working these jobs, with the places that we go to, and I've been to every place around the U.S. It, it, it's a different, it's a different age group most of the time. It's a, it's an older age group most of the time here now because all the younger people they like apps and things like that. Uh, not many people want to go and work in a textile factory, you know, straight. In. It's just not the, the most inviting thing these days. You have a lot of opportunity out there with other stuff. And so, you know, it, it's, there's one way to think about it. The assumption, if you don't know enough, but once you know really what's going on there, it, it's absolutely needed. You need the automation. If you don't, the world's not turning. Uh, somebody's mm. got to do it. So
1: what would you suggest to somebody if they were listening and they're like, that's been my career. And in five years, somebody's going to replace me, you know, a machine's going to replace me. What encouragement would you give to them about their career? Well, first off, I would tell them it's going to be a lot sooner than five years, Okay, 100% a <laughs> lot sooner. The, okay.
0: These customers are so uh, dead set on going as fast as they possibly can, and they're going to figure it out. They will. Um, at the same time, you know, look, uh, you can give all the, the generic answers, oh, go and train for this, go and train for that. Uh, I'm not sure that that is even the answer here. I think it's you have so many people displaced, so many. Y- you don't have retraining for all these people. And I think that the governments are going to have to uh, figure something out, no matter what side of the aisle is. So it's, yeah. it's something that's going to have to get figured out.
1: So, from your perspective, you think we are going to go to a place where it's not going to just naturally correct itself? That we probably will have a large percentage of people not knowing what to do with themselves. Uh, well, I mean, the question becomes how how long are they going to <laughs> how long
0: are they going to be around for? Uh, I don't know. Because, yeah. you know, things always melt in things naturally. So, you know, you will have some that will get trained. You will have some that just do nothing. You'll have some that it, it just is what it is. So, mm. but I can't sit around and uh, think about uh, that side of things too much. Uh, when my job is to go out there and automate manufacturing, it, it just, there's a person there. Maybe there isn't. It's, uh, you yeah. know, I'm making a rope. I'm doing what I have to do. Um, but again, we always encourage the customer, if you're doing this, what are you doing for the employees that, that are there? you can't help it if the employees go this is it's been going on for by the way decades hundred this is what happens everywhere so it's right. a, it's not just a unique thing um automation is it's been going on for a very long time
1: i think that's what what the debate has been interesting about is is this just another thing in the long line of automation or is it that groundbreaking that it's different than when we got the first horse-drawn carriage and how that changed things when we you know
0: yeah i can tell you that what we're doing here is 100 percent groundbreaking the customers we have, we are going to automate the majority of their manufacturing lines. And this is going to be something that people have never seen that kind of a, of a, of a you know, growth. Outcome. Yeah, like a it's massive shift. That we, we, we've never seen deals the, this large before.
1: What excites you most about, even beyond efficiency and things like that, like what excites you most about the types of work you might be able to do, you're doing or might be able to do in the future?
0: Well, you know, we get to see really interesting things. The Slaughterhouse, from start to finish, whatever that means to you, we got to see the whole thing yeah. uh, from, from start, here's the cow and all the way to here, packaged up and, uh, and everything in between. Uh, and uh, I'll just put it this way, there, there's, uh, there's not one thing in there that we probably cannot automate. In time, we can automate everything. Hmm. Um, you have very few companies in the world that have, you know, some people call it lights out manufacturing, we call it hands-free manufacturing, uh, where you, know, you have one person in the facility, or you have very minimal people right and the whole thing is really just completely automated uh, a pretty good example of that may be uh, like invisalign the, the the those clear retainers things like that I'm, I'm pretty sure they have a very good system in place i don't know for sure but I, I think so um but you know things like that you know it's really still still unique stuff you're going to see a lot more of that and you'll see such disruption um if a dry cleaner comes out with a fully automated system that will take out the biggest guys in the world in such a short period of time. Mm. Uh, and they won't be able to conform to their business. They're publicly traded. They can't tell them, you know, we're going to change this right now overnight. You're going to see stuff happen.
1: It's Is that going to bring the, the cost of goods dramatically down potentially?
0: I think the cost of goods are going to go down, not dramatically, because, you know, it, when I look at it, you know, you just, the process, it's a lot of benefit to the person that owns that company. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you're not really doing much with the, uh materials and still you you raise that volume of what they're doing right that's really where you to get the discount in so i don't know how much of an effect it hasn't it i mean once that gets better yes it will but that's assuming that all these customers you know go like you know eight wild with uh with products and stuff like that which i don't know will, will be the case so yeah
1: do you imagine that your your particular company or your work in the future would ever go into like household type stuff or would it stay in the kind of commercial manufacturing type deal
0: uh, well, right now, we're, we want to concentrate solely on manufacturing. Right. and That could be service manufacturing. It could be product manufacturing. There's a lot of different types of, of manufacturing. Um, and, and we'll stick with that for a while because our track is, is you know, we, we don't just do the hardware. We're doing software, too. So we're, we're, we have dashboards and things like that. Uh, we take virtually every input on the floor and make a dashboard out of it, which is something that these customers have never had before. Hmm. It's a line of preventative maintenance for them because now you see if something's on or off uh, and so on and so forth. So, you know, we're, we're doing things out there that are a little bit different. Um, yeah, but I, I strayed away from your question. so.
1: <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. I'm just playing sci-fi right now. I feel like I'm talking to somebody on the cutting edge. And so I'm like, hey, what are you going to do with my house? Can we automate the folding of my clothes? You know, my wife no, hates that. that. It's,
0: uh, I think we're, we're a long way from from the house automation. The jets. But sense. I think in, in regards to, to the most, uh, the things that we use every day, you're going to see them start to have a perfection that you haven't seen before.
1: Yeah, yeah. Does anything scare and, you about but, the world? of? You know, does
0: that lower the price? I think you'll see consolidation in all of those areas. So, you know, if you're a laptop manufacturer and you have 10,000 of them, you're, you're going to get down to 200.
1: So, yeah. Does anything scare you about the idea of AI, machine learning, any of that kind of stuff or not yeah,
0: really? So, so we do a lot with AI. We do a lot with machine learning. Um, and it depends, you know, some of it's actually really easy stuff in like a heat map or something, you know, it's, it's whatever, but uh other stuff, you also realize it's going to be really difficult to do. If I were in a, a baseball uh, field um, and there's, a, you know, a thousand guys all wearing hats, it's really difficult for the computer to uh, to figure certain things out there because you have no uh, nothing, to, nothing to look at. But uh, at the same time, if the computer has any, or the vision systems, we use a lot of vision systems here, has anything to look at, we can do so much with it now. Um, we can do a perfection on the we can we can differentiate between diamonds sometimes i mean it's that good uh yeah so and you can do speed at such high rates so things are things are going to be interesting and these are rates that are way faster than the human way faster Mm. and it thinks way
1: faster yeah yeah for you just if we step back to being a business owner and more more particularly being somewhat of a disruptor right like coming in where there's some established companies and they're doing a certain way and you're disrupting how they're doing it who they're marketing to what have you learned about leading that kind of a business, like a disruptive business? Uh,
0: well, first off, I'm, I'm definitely a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I don't know anybody else who would take uh, these things on. I mean, uh, the grind never stopped, but it's a good one. Um, you know, you you get to look back and, uh, you know, you you had a little mark there. You you were able to do something. And so uh, for me, uh, it's not really about that. It's more about progressing the landscape. There's certain things that I saw in, in my past where, You know, somebody may acquire somebody, they may table a product because they have too much of their product out there. And so the public doesn't know, it, it's a much better product. Uh, I will never do something like that. It's, uh, you know, you have it, go get it, go get it done, move it ahead. Uh, And also a lot of these manufacturers, the ones that we work with, they've been searching for like 20 years for these solutions. And, uh, you know, if we didn't come along, they could be searching for another 20 years for these solutions. So at some point, it's got to get done. I mean, if people want to follow Elon and then go to Mars, you're going to have to do this stuff. You're gonna have to. You, it's gonna have to get done.
1: So yeah, yeah. What do you think are the key ingredients to successfully disrupting an industry?
0: Uh, you know, I I think that that uh, I got really smart within the area that I'm in, but uh, you know, in spotting these opportunities, it's really just like a common sense thing. You know, hmm. Here's how it's being done. Here are the customers. Why are these customers getting handled? Uh, in three D printing, it was like you know the consumer wanted a three D printer. They can only get kits. Well, just make it fully assembled. Make it easy for them. Like let let's go. And uh, the same thing was over here. You know the 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 largest companies they want automation. Yeah. But they're not going to buy something where they have to buy hire another technician. You know just to figure out how to program it. And the manufacturer is telling you it's so easy, and it's not. Uh, and not only that, that's just the arm. You have the end of arm tool. You have uh, the the indexing system that makes puts the product in place to go to the arm. Um, and by the way, just another side note on that. Typically, the argument is, well, if a robot takes my job, then I will be assisting the robot. It, that is beyond depressing. If a robot <laughs> takes your job and you're going to be indexing for the robot, that's uh, – no. That's no, no,
1: no, no. <laughs> not exciting. No,
0: no, no. I'm, no don't do it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, what, uh, I guess what it sounds like is – or what I imagine – is a, is a difficulty for other people to innovate is when you get so used to the way things are done. Like, this is just how we do it. We don't ever question it. We do it this way, we yeah. do it that way. That sometimes all it takes is backing up a few feet and saying, why? Like, why are yeah. we doing it that way? Is that part of where well, you find the obvious innovation areas?
0: Well, you also notice certain things, you know, for example, like in a company, you know, well, I'm not going to give you ours as the example, but, you know, in a company, you know, you do have a life cycle of the way that things go. Um, and every company is different, but there's ways to recognize certain things. So, for example, like you could recognize that if a company is doing acquisitions of uh, companies just to get sales, they're probably going downhill. That, it's another, they're, they're gone. Hmm. If they're doing acquisitions because they need to get talent, uh, they're probably still in pretty good shape. If they're doing acquisitions because they need to get IP, maybe they're going to get to the point of doing sales. One. And so, you know, you, you just start to notice these things in time. Uh, and and with that, you could start to recognize here's an industry where, you know, you bring some uh, order to chaos, and uh, and you got yourself a nice disruption. So, yeah. Or you bring chaos to order. So.
1: It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where are you? Where are you currently experiencing the most challenge right now? Leading this business. Oh wow! So everything we're doing for the customer,
0: uh, even though it says cobot here, everything is bespoke. Everything is completely unique. Uh, the CAD that we do is, is is just incredibly intense. Then when it comes down to installing it you find out so many different things. The operator was changing the speed of the conveyor by themselves. The, uh, you know, somebody's gonna slap it every day. Uh, at The meat processing plant It's probably gonna get stabbed. Who knows? And so, you know, or yeah. water goes, goes into to, So you, you learn certain things, but we're the first to do it. So we're happy to take on this challenge because we'll be way ahead of everybody else. So we've been doing this now for uh, incorporated for two and a half years with uh, no competition doing it this way because they can't. So mm. we're, we're very far ahead now, it'd be very difficult. To take on all of that stuff in one,
1: yeah but
0: maybe they can who knows
1: i'll take it on typically i've heard that anything bespoke is inherently difficult to scale because everything is unique how do you think about that
0: well the way that i thought about it with this was okay so you do the first application and then you have 150 facilities with 10 in each who cares so it's uh you do it and uh they're extremely difficult even the ones that look easy are like the most difficult uh, but you do it because with the customers we're dealing with, they are the largest within their industry. So, so the the meat processor is the largest meat processor in the world. The the corrugated pipe manufacturer, they're the largest. The carpet recycler, apparently, he's the largest carpet recycler in the world. So, so yeah. like, that's a reason. But, but so you know, it, it it there's something out there to be said for you know they can't find it. You need to do it for them, and if you do it, here's what the reward is.
1: Got it. So the 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 slow part in a sense is the initial customization for that company, but because they're it's so large, yep. it then can be replicated pretty exactly. easily. And before they replicate
0: company. it, you're gonna take as much time as you need to make that first one as perfect as possible. Mm. And then you can go absolutely nuts with the uh, repeats as okay. fast as possible. And that scale is really fast because there's an, an immense amount of capital for a guaranteed scale like that.
1: Yeah. So that makes uh, sense. They're gonna
0: go as fast as humanly possible
1: uh interesting what is it what has it been like to assemble the team and to grow the company internally to be able to do all the things yeah. you're doing
0: uh not easy i mean look we 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 had a first set of engineers and uh that didn't work out and uh now we have a new set of engineers we pick the best of the best uh we know what we're looking for now right so at the beginning of the company maybe you think uh, you know what you're looking for because uh, i came from 3d printing and that's what i had there yeah completely wrong it seemed completely logical totally wrong we know what we're looking for now. We know the kind of uh, employees that we want. We know what we need. Um, it takes time to get there. You know, yeah. for us it took uh, what uh, probably about a year uh, before we, we found the right team. A little more than a year and a half, the right team. Um, and then even with that, you know, a lot of training uh, that needs to happen. What we're doing here, uh, I don't expect anybody to understand. So every employee that comes in, they have to. They have to be trained. This is what we do. This is why the competition doesn't do it. This is why we will never hire
1: somebody from the competition, no matter what it does to us, uh, because they're going to brainwash us sometimes. <laughs> hmm. Okay. So if you could be a little more spe- specific without having to, I don't know, sure. call anyone out, but just as a, for me, I have a lot of founders listening who are also in the process yep. of hiring their first teams and might be making similar mistakes. Well, as an example, like what was the difference in how you thought with the first group of engineers versus, oh, what we actually need is this?
0: Sure. So, well, first off, it's also to, to the degree of what we want an engineer to do now. Uh, our engineers take the project from there, there are salespeople. We, we don't have any salespeople here. I'm the, I'm the salesperson here. Right. So, the, the engineers, they're the ones that go to the on sites. They're, they're the ones that, and it's refreshing for the customer because the customer is not dealing with the salesperson. You're dealing with somebody that just cares about the automation solution so so with that being said you know the kind of things that we we look out for the kind of things that that our problems really only came up as we were working on the customer projects as we were working on the projects you start to notice that you know, maybe this guy can not execute on this you know, is he kicking the can down the road what is going on here you know it, it, so and then you start to you know as you hire other people. You can see the little bit of the difference, right? It's not that you're trying to be mean. It's it's you have to make your company efficient. You know, it's like a well machine where you yeah. can't scale. So and, and so, y- as long as you're aware, you'll you'll see these differences and you'll you'll make a change, right? And the question becomes: If you're a founder, do you have the gumption? Do you have the balls to make that change? Many people don't.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would also imagine being in a technical industry, yet you still have to do customer relationships. Yeah. That's, a tough, very, that's we, a tough. That's a tough thing find to find, find people that can, can do both.
0: Yeah, right. We find engineers who can talk. Uh, that's what we test them for in interviews, uh, and we're very upfront with them. You know, you will be doing X amount percentage of uh, you know customer relations, uh, but it's very important. They're the ones working on the project. They give updates to the customers probably sometimes every day. Uh, but most of the time, it's once a week, a main update. Um, and the customer loves it because they know they can just call. It. They're working on the project. Uh, yeah. Many times you go and you, if you want to go to the competitor, great. Uh, you're not going to know if they're working on you or not. It's, uh, you know, they're probably going to ship something out. So,
1: What's the most difficult thing for you just leading people?
0: Uh, well, that, number one in general, um, you know, keeping people motivated. That's yeah. one. You know, it's, it almost seems like there's nothing, you know, you, you can get in the world. Everything they ask, it's, uh, it'll live for a day. And uh, somehow it's just not good enough, right? And so you know, it, it's um, keeping them enthused, uh, keeping mm-hmm. them invigorated about your startup. And keep in mind, you're like us, two years in, right? These, these people—they have no right to be enthused. You got to figure it out. You got to keep it going. That's why I'm mm-hmm. so energetic. I have no choice. I get extremely tired at night. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's not true. It's true. But but you know, it's it's it's. Uh, I've trained myself. You know, you have to do it. Uh because yeah. if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do. it. Nobody will care more about the company than the founder. Even if you have somebody that comes in that cares for a week, great. Right? Nobody will care more than the founder.
1: Yeah. So, how do you translate that? Is it is it the conversation of extrinsic motivator, motivators versus intrinsic? And well, what- I
0: mean, look, you you have a give and take. Uh, I don't consider myself a good manager, but I have a team around me. You know, I have a COO, I have a, a director of operations. I have a team around me that that handles a lot of that that ever. Yeah. But it started with me. I handled all until you know you could put things into, into a certain place. But you have to recognize what you're good and not good at. I'm good at, at, uh, at selling the dream. I can, yeah. I can make this happen. I'm good at pushing something through to the finish line, uh, motivating them to get it done and finding out that you know that's possible, so let's get it done. Um, but managing uh, out the whole thing, uh, maybe I'm not the best. Maybe I shouldn't be the best. Yeah, uh, So that's you don't not, have you know, to. Be. For, for about the first, uh, who knows, five or ten years, I was under the impression that I need to know everything. I need to be the best at everything. Uh, it took a long time for me to understand that you, you got to let go. Yeah. You got to let the people you hire do what they need to do. So, it's kind of uh, freeing. It's not easy for a founder.
1: It's, it's kind of freeing. Once you get over the emotional fear, which I know there's always emotional fear of. Fear in
0: general in business. It's, it's non-existent. I can't stand it with people I
1: Yeah. But I would say from my work with, with, so outside of the podcast, I do uh, work with fast growing companies on the people side, on the leadership, on the development, that kind of thing. And it typically comes down to fear when someone knows they need to delegate something that they've been doing. And the fear could be, they're not going to do it as well as me. We're going to lose quality, whatever it is. Right. But it's, it's, it's not logical, meaning like, it's not like, it's not the actual X's and O's. It's more the the emotional feeling of control. right? (laughs) Right. Was that difficult for you for the first time turning, on, turning over some of those uh, things or, well, or no? Well,
0: I, I recognized really early on that that is a, a thing you just need to have. Mm. Uh, and also my father had, had businesses and stuff. And, you know, I just kind of – he was the kind of – you know if it needs to be done, just do it. And so uh, you, know, and you learn in time how to have conversations, how to do certain things. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, if you want a successful company, it needs to be a well-oiled machine, and you will never get there. If you just have people cruising along and you know that they shouldn't be the right people, it's 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 crazy. If you if you were an outsider looking in, you would say, "What are you doing?" Mm. And so uh, you know, it's it's very important to to be able to have that uh, that gumption, that frankness, the the mm. honesty, the awareness, uh, in order to move something forward. And it's an, it, it will never end. <laughs> yeah,
1: especially so you when you. With it, yeah, especially when you're the choke point, right? Oh yeah. Like yeah, at some point where it's lying. like, yeah. it's like oh, every decision has to come through me. Well the bigger the company gets, like that is extremely slow, right that's right, or
0: that's every right. hire I mean, needs to be made by me illogical too um and not only that be, I wouldn't want it that's crazy, you know it's uh, I, I'd be uh working nonstop. I'd never be able to enjoy anything so yeah
1: yeah how do you how what does balance look like for you right now in life? is uh, there well, how- lately uh, the
0: last six months there's no balance, um but that's also because i mean we're 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 just in the thick of things right and it, it may go on for a long time, who knows? but uh balance for me i mean uh, yeah it could be uh going hiking it could be uh playing tennis it could be uh you know, going with my wife to 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 dinners and stuff it's uh have a life yeah you know uh, yeah. but at the same time you know if uh you might have a customer you have to be there at 5 a.m. for a week straight you do what you got to do you know play hard and uh, all that kind of stuff so it's just, uh is what it is you know but you got to have a life you can't just be uh stuck in one thing because you think that's what's going to make it successful uh yeah in fact, i'll tell somebody to just walk away for a second you know it's, uh,
1: yeah. yeah there's a fluidity to it like the more i've been a part of this conversation we all want the one fix like let me just right. do this my schedule will always look like this and this will but life doesn't work that way there's seasons where the business actually is somewhat in a huge growth or emergency and it needs more of your time And then there's other times that you need the discipline to be like, Hey, things are good. Like I can actually take that vacation or come in a little late to the office. And like, we need to be able to flex a little bit with the seasons. Right. Mm -hmm. Or there's times your wife might need you more and it's like, Hey, like she's going through some health concerns or whatever. Like I've got to prioritize that in this season. Right. Um, life doesn't stay static. It doesn't stay static (laughs) at all. (laughs) What, um, we're coming to the end here. I know we're, we've, you've given me a lot of time already. One of the questions I like to ask is just any favorite recommendations on books, things that you've Ooh, read, and it could be um, personal, could be business-related?
0: Well, I mean, look, for, for me, books, um, I, I read the stuff that my dad gives me. He's a commodities trader, so, so I know a little bit about that. Um, in business, you know, look, I, I was lucky. When I sold the 3D printer company, I was in my mid-20s. I got to work pretty much directly for the CEO of 3D Systems. He was in his absolute prime making deals. Uh, I'm a guy that latched onto making deals very quickly. That's it's, it gets my, I like doing it. It, it uh, gets my brain going and these are, it's big stuff. So, uh, I got to do that for, you know, three, four years, uh, really in a corporate development, uh, way. And so that's really kind of where I got my, uh, my tra- it's from real life. I mean, uh, when I was in the university, I dropped out in the, what, after like the first few months. Uh, started a freight brokerage company because at the university, they told me to get a, like an internship at a freight. gave me some, the owner of that company put the book on my table and said, how to be a freight broker. I'm like, all right, great. Let's, let's figure this out. I probably read a chapter or something. And then I just called a few people and, uh, we got a deal, of a, a load of freight and here's a truck and it's going to do, you make the margin in between. Uh, I did one deal and then I, I went and I opened up a freight brokerage and, uh, then I left school and, uh, you know, that's, that's it. So. It just depends.
1: Yeah. So was, the point I'm hearing is that nothing replaces real life experience. Nothing Studying under someone, real life
0: experience. You can look at a textbook every and it can make so much sense to you. Nothing replaces real life. That will give you that gut. That will give you that thing. You know, I know, I know I'm right there. I don't know why yet, but that's hmm. one of them. It, it's you know, it, it it's it, it makes you smarter. You know, you you learn faster. Yeah. It's like uh, you know I'm I'm. Uh, 12, I'm going to play in the uh, 18 and up uh, tennis match. You know, it's, it's going to be real difficult for the first few years, but I'll probably get real good.
1: So, yeah. Is there anything looking back? This is not about like actual regret, but is there anything like if there were another version of you, a little you coming up in his career, oh, yeah, that you oh, would yeah. give any no. specific advice to? A hundred percent.
0: The main advice I would give is stay intensely organized, intensely hmm. organized. And I have a major difficulty doing that right now, even. but. The more organized you get, the more you're able to see the clarity and the things that you should be doing for your business. Because it's very easy, at least for me, uh, you can get stuck into a mode. By the way, a lot of founders go through this depressive and things like that, including me. It happens. It's 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 just cycles. It it is what it is. You know, you're stuck on a thing. You're you're a problem solver, but a different kind of problem. Yeah, you got to get it done. You can't figure it out yet. You're going to grind it through. You're going to be depressed. So it's uh, you know. But uh,
1: yeah, organized how? When you say intensely organized.
0: Organized in every which aspect of your, uh, you know, you you can know everything about your company, but I mean, organized with everything that you do, uh, or you're going to get stuck doing tasks that are not really a priority that they should be, like little things like that, Um, and little things like that add up. So, yeah, like automation for 3D printing, it saves time.
1: (laughs) So, but it sounds like organization for the sake of awareness that, like. You'd be Absolutely. aware that's not as important as this because I was able to look at it. I was organized enough to look at it. Is that kind of what it is? It's,
0: yeah. For for me it's it's you want to be as efficient as possible. You want to just get it even better and better and better. Uh it's you know, I want to automate more and more more. It's it's uh it's part of that life cycle of a of a company. Yeah. When it stops, that's a that's a problem. So
1: Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Gil they're always
0: trying to be efficient. I mean, that's what they all do, right? I mean they're they're trying to be better and uh, you know, so
1: Yeah. I love it. That's great advice. Well, Gil, thank you for your time. This has been fascinating, uh, a really interesting look at to where I believe uh, you are on the forefront of where so much is going in that world. Uh, I appreciate well, I hope, you taking no, it I the might time. Be late. <laughs> no, no. It I'm sounds little, like...
0: If you look at a chart from Google Trends, that's the last thing. Google Trends on 3D printing. I sold the company in, uh, what, 2004? No, 2011, I'm sorry. 2000, 2011. And at that time, I was the only fully assembled printer out there for consumers. Hmm. Amazon didn't sell anything, you know. And so with that, though, when you look at that on that Google trend chart, the, the curve already went up. We were late. We were late. Somehow we were late. Wow. And so uh, it's really interesting when you look at things from different perspectives. And you say, well, how are we late? Well, those, those kits took up a lot. Uh, you know, is... we were late. The trend had already started. The, the words had already gone in there. So, uh, you know, we're, we're very excited to, uh, redefine what the word cobalt means.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. That was great.
0: Founders. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.